Well, that backfired. Well, good morning, church. Man, we're so glad you're here today. If it's your first time here, let me say again how happy we are that you're here and that you are with us today. We believe that we are the body of Christ, called to live different, to invite people to come together, invest in each other, and engage in what matters most. And I just wonder this morning, could we say that together? It should be on the screen behind me. Let's, if you would, let's say this together. We are the body of Christ, called to live different, to invite people to come together, invest in each other, and engage in what matters most because of Jesus. This This is who we are, and this is who we want to be. Amen, church? This is it. This is it. And I am so excited that you are here today. We've been talking about this for the last few weeks. What does it mean for us to live different? What does it mean for us to be the body of Christ? What does it mean for us to be salt and light in our community and in this church? And I want to begin by sharing an idea that we want to sort of launch today and work on over the next few weeks together. At the end of our time uh, today as we in worship, uh, we're going to be passing out these live different envelopes. And you'll see these in just a few minutes. And in them are some of these simple little paper tags. And here's what I want to encourage us to do over the next few weeks. It's really a a very simple exercise, but I think it's one uh, that could really encourage the church and give us something to celebrate. Uh, What I'd like to encourage you to do uh, is either, you know, maybe something you've seen in your own life where you've tried to live different, or, or maybe how you've seen someone else in this church making a decision or taking an action to try to live differently. I want you to write that down. And it can be anonymous. You don't have to put your name on it if it's something that you did. Uh, But if you see someone else, you can certainly call out how you see Christ in them. Write that down. And what I'd like to do over the next few weeks is collect a thousand stories, a thousand different ways that we, as the body of Christ at Riverside, are trying to live different because of Jesus. How How is this working itself out in your everyday, ordinary life? What are you choosing to do different? Because of Jesus. I want you to write those down. I know for me, for me, it's been a real, a, real, a real deal. Every week there's something, there's a situation that comes up, something happens, uh, there's, there's a, a conflict or a moment or a disagreement or someone cuts you off in traffic. You know, there's just a thousand ways that can work, this can work itself out. What I want you to do is I want you to write these down, the, the small ways and the big ways. You know, maybe this week you invite someone to church and you haven't done that in a long time. Write that down. Let's celebrate that. Maybe this week you you decide to invest in someone, to take them out uh, for coffee. And we'll talk about that more today. What does it mean to invest in someone? Write that down. Let's celebrate that. Maybe this week you choose to engage in a way that you never have before. Maybe you decide to give more than you've given before. Or you decide to to sponsor a child or or become a mentor. I don't know. You decide to engage uh, in this church or in the community around you in some way. Write that down. Let's celebrate that. This is something everyone can do. I want our kids to do this. Maybe, maybe kids, when you're at school, you decide to sit with that one kid uh, who's the new kid at, the, at lunch. Maybe you decide to be their friend. Maybe you decide to help someone where they drop their books and you help them pick them up. It doesn't matter. What I want us to do is look for ways, and this works for, for every one of us, where we are deciding, because of Jesus, to live differently in the world around us. Before Jesus, we might have done this. But because of Jesus, we're going to live this way. Let's write that down and bring that back to church next Sunday. We've got boards around the lobby around here on stage and other places where you can hang these up. And again, this isn't about, this is not about saying how good I am or how good we are. This is about celebrating how Christ is making a tangible difference in my life 
in your life. In a church this size, if we all did this two or three times, we'd have a thousand stories by next week alone. It's probably too small of a goal. But I'd love to see us collect a thousand stories of how we are living differently because of Jesus. Today, here's what I want to talk about. A real simple idea. I believe the greatest investment you can ever make is an investment in the life of another person. The greatest investment you could ever make is the investment that you would make in the life of another person. But before we go there, I want to ask you this, and it may be the most important question I've ever asked you. So if you've been out in space, dial in for one quick second. What is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Anybody? We have any vanilla fans in the room? Am I the only one? Okay, good. There are other people. See, vanilla is a good flavor. Some of you say it's a non-flavor. It is a flavor, and I love it. How many of you are chocolate fans? The rest of you, yeah? How many of you are like the cookie dough fans? Yeah? And then there's like, you know, Rocky Road. There's all the other kinds out there. Cookies and cream. I do like that one as well. Uh, What about favorite, like, brands of ice cream? Any Bluebell fans in the room? Is there another brand? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, the only other one I know of is homemade ice cream, and that one, that one rivals it, I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, exactly. Ice cream, this is going to be a very important part of the message today, but hang on to that. We're going to come back to it in a minute. I promise it's going to make sense later. Who is it, if you had to think about it, if you, if you, if you go back to, the, to, to your life, to the story of your life, who was it that made an investment in you, and because of that, they made a difference in your life? Can you think of that person? Uh, chances are, all of us, if, we, if I asked you, we could, we could tell a story about someone who made an investment in our life, who made a difference in our life. And, and because of them, uh, maybe the course of your life, the trajectory of your life was changed because that person, whoever they were, he, she decided to make an investment in your life. And because of that, they made a difference in your life. And you were, in some small way, forever changed. Can you imagine what your life would be like if, for whatever reason, that person had never decided to make an investment in you? Can you imagine what your life would be like if no one ever made an investment in you? I think a large part of who I am and a large part of who you are is because of the people who throughout our life decided to, Maybe for a season or for a moment in time or in a particular situation or phase of life, they took us under their wing and they decided to just invest in us. And because of those people, our lives were literally changed. Like we are different people today because of them. And we thank God for them. And this is who we are as, a, as the body of Christ. This is part of what is so unique and special about us is that we're called to do this. Like we are, we are literally invited to invest in people, to, there's something, there's someone that calls us together and calls us deeper into relationship than anything you would experience anywhere else in the world. And it's, it's part of our DNA. This is who we are. This is, what, this is what Christ did for us. Christ literally invested himself in us. When you became a Christian, when you entered these waters of baptism and then came up out of them a new creation, Christ gave you his spirit. It's a, it's a relational investment that Christ has made in you. He didn't make a financial investment in you. He made a personal investment in you, a relational investment in you. And it's that same invitation that you and I have to invest our lives into each other's lives. But what would you say is the single greatest obstacle to you and I being able to make 
that relational investment in the lives of each other. I'll tell you, I've been thinking about this a lot this week. What, what's the single greatest obstacle that prevents me, that prevents you, prevents us from being able to invest in each other? I'll tell you what I've decided on today, and you could argue that there's something else and you might be right. I think the single greatest obstacle to to my ability and your ability, to our ability to invest in each other, is the way we talk about each other. The word that we use sometimes is this word, gossip. See, I, I really believe that the way I talk about you and the way you talk about me matters. I love the way Scott Sauls defines gossip. He says this, gossip is a way to exploit someone else's weakness without making a commitment to them. We gossip for cheap thrills and it feels, it feels better and it makes us feel better about ourselves entirely at someone else's expense. We objectify others when we gossip. Think about that. Think about using someone else, objectifying, using them as an object to make yourself feel better by talking negatively about them. And you may say, I don't, I don't struggle with gossip, really. If I were live streaming your life right now and I could just rewind it, how far would I have to go back before I encountered a conversation you had with someone else where you were talking about someone else in a not-so-kind manner? When you were objectifying someone else and using that moment for whatever reason to make yourself feel better. See, I think the way we talk about each other matters, and I think it may be the single greatest barrier, the single greatest obstacle to our ability to relate and to invest in each other. I think it matters. I've been convicted about this. I think this matters because it affects our ability to invest in people in our community, and you know this. If, if the place you work or where you go to school or, or the parents you sit with when your kids at, at practice or whatever they're doing, if, if every conversation you have with people that you're around in our community is always a negative conversation about someone else, that will literally destroy your ability to have a conversation with them about Jesus Christ. If there were a moment where you were able to speak, about, speak to them about the grace and love and mercy of Jesus Christ, you wouldn't have a leg to stand on because everything they know of you is how you speak of other people and how unkind it is. And if that's what it means to be Christian, what is that really all about? I think it affects the way that we relate even to each other inside these four walls in this room. If every time I have a conversation with you, it's about someone else, then how can I ever call you deeper into Christ? And how can you ever call me deeper in Christ? How can we invest in each other if we can't speak kindly of each other? How is it, how is it that, that we have such low standards for ourselves, but such high standards for everyone else? Have you ever thought about this? Like if I mess up and make a mistake, if I do something wrong, if I make a bad decision, whatever it is, I can very quickly let myself off the hook. I can rationalize it away. But if you do something that I don't like, I'll maximize it and criticize it and exploit it and blow it up. Why is that? And I'll give you one more. I believe how we talk about the church matters. I believe we have to be, we have to pay attention to how we talk about the bride of Christ. I heard my friend Dave Clayton make this analogy this week, and I, I thought he was spot on. 
If you came to me and said, Corey, I really love you, but let me be honest, I don't like your wife. No offense, Alicia. You and me might have a problem, right? That would, that would not go well with me. Yet how often do you hear people say, oh, I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church, or I hate the church, or I don't like that church, or this is what I don't like about the church. You're talking, we're talking about the bride of Christ. And I'll tell you what, I think we need to shut it down. I think we need to call ourselves higher, to a higher standard. That's how we talk about the church, the bride of Jesus Christ. How do you think it makes Christ feel when he hears, and he hears every conversation, when he hears you sing praises to his name, and then at lunch later that same day, talk about all the things that you don't like about his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. And I tell you what, I think the way we talk, our speech matters. And it directly impacts and relates to how we relate to each other and how we invest in each other. This is so important because you and I, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're called we, we know this. We're called to literally live differently. I, I love the way Paul said it. Paul was a, a teacher, church planner. He wrote, you know, the majority of your New Testament. And, and when he was writing to a church in Colossae, this was not a church he started, but he wrote to it to encourage it. And he painted this beautiful picture of the way the church is supposed to be. And I want you to hear what he said this morning in Colossians 3. Because he gives us this idea. He gives us this picture of what life is like, what life is supposed to be like in the body of Christ. If you have your Bibles or if you have a device, if you want to turn this on or, or watch the screens above me, in Colossians 3, verse 12, Paul said this, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This, this is a picture of what is supposed to be a descriptor of you and me. So just push pause for a minute and think about this. Do these words describe you? Do these words describe us? Are we a people who have clothed ourselves with tenderhearted mercy, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience for each other? Truthfully, I think we are. I think I could stand up here and tell story after story of how I've seen this expressed over and over again in the life of this church. But this too is a standard for, for, it's one of those things where this is true of us, but it's also something that we aspire to be even more true of us. That this would be who we are in Christ. And I love this. I love this not just because this is a picture of, of who we're called to be and who we want to be. I love this because Paul says, you have to put this on. You have to clothe yourselves with these things. Like this has to be an intentional choice because the truth is, for most of us, it's just not natural. Like I'm not naturally tenderhearted. I'm not naturally full of mercy and compassion and kindness and patience. Some of you are, and God loves you more. So the rest of us, we have to, we have to put this on. You have to clothe yourselves with these things. And, and what are, what are what, every one of these words, what, what is this? It's a picture of what the church is supposed to be. What is it really? It's a picture of Jesus. We have to clothe ourselves. We have to clothe ourselves with Christ. And then Paul says this. Make allowance. Give each other a break. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, remember that the Lord forgave you. So you must 
forgive others. Above all, here it is again, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Clothe yourselves in love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. I love, again, this, this instruction to this church. And I think this could very well be, be the instruction for us this morning, right? Riverside, forgive each other as Christ has forgiven you. Love each other the way Christ has loved you. This is who you are called to be. What if we were as good at forgiving each other as Christ is at forgiving us? What if we were as quick to forgive each other as Christ is at forgiving us? You know this. Christ loves you. He died for you. He has forgiven you. There's nothing that that you could ever do to make him love you less. Everything that you've ever done or ever will do, he will forgive. What if that same mentality, that same attitude, that same posture was true of me towards you and you towards me and you and I towards each other? What if we were as good at forgiving each other as Christ was, as Christ is at forgiving us? I've heard it said, and I think this is true, I, I tell couples this whenever I do premarital counseling, that I've heard the greatest, uh, the greatest thing you can do to, to have a lasting marriage is to be excellent at forgiveness. And when I talk to couples who've been married 40, 50, 60, you know, 3,000 years it seems like, right? And I ask them, what's the secret? They'll tell you in one word, forgiveness. And I think that's the secret to a great church too. If we want to be a great church, if we want to be a church that Jesus is proud to call his church, oh man, what would he say? Forgive each other. Above all, he he seems to, to hint at if there's any disharmony among us, it's because there's a lack of love. There's a lack of the love of Christ among us. And if we want to be the kind of church that Jesus is calling to calling us to be, then we have to elevate the love of Christ to such a high level that there's nothing that can come between us and the love of Christ, us and 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 our love for Christ. That that is the one thing that binds us together above everything else. So any disagreement we have, any disharmony among us, any anything that comes between us, nothing can compares to the incredible, unbelievable, unimaginable love of Jesus Christ. And because of that love, because we've elevated the love of Christ and Christ crucified above everything else, there's nothing that can come between us. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. And then Paul says this, let the peace, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Here Paul says it again. You are, we are the body of Christ and you are called to live differently. How? Live in peace. Let me tell you, you know this, that's different. For us to be a part of the same body, to love each other the way Christ has loved us and to live together in peace will stand in stark contrast to the world around us, especially now more than ever. And then he says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And then hear this, whatever you do or say. Right here, Paul is elevating your, your actions and your speech. What you do and what you say. How you live and the way you speak 
of others, to others, about others, all of it matters. It matters because this is how, in a very tangible, practical way, this is how we live different. This is how we, we, we do this thing called church. We live into the love of Christ. It, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Our actions and our words matter. What you say and what you do matters. I, I, I don't know if you've ever done this. If you're a parent or maybe growing up, your dad or your mom did this to you. I've had this conversation with my kids, not very often, but more than one occasion. This has come up where something's happened. And so I, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go to their room and we'll have a little you know, come to Jesus meeting. And, and that conversation always at some point kind of gets to this this, this idea, right? And, and, and I'm sure they wish I just had this on a CD player and they could just push play and hit the track because they know what's coming, right? You know, you know what your last name is? It's Trevathan. And wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever you say, it reflects back on me and your mom and your nana and your papa, you know, just give them the real guilt trip. It's going to, you know, the whole family tree hangs on. No, not really. But I'm sure they feel that way, right? You know, what you do, what you say matter because of your last name, because of the name that you wear. And everywhere you go, people know you're my son. They know that, you know, you, you belong to, to me and your mom or you're our daughter and you belong to us. And so I'm not saying you have to be perfect. I'm not calling you to that standard. But I am saying to remember it matters because it reflects back on your family, on your family name. Is this not what Paul is saying here? Whatever you do, whatever you say, wherever you go, you're, you're a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. Don't ever underestimate the power of your words and your actions in our community. There, there is some truth to the fact that there are some people who all they know about the church and all they know about God is because they know you. And when they look at you, what do they see? What do they hear? And I'm not calling you to perfection either. But I am reminding you and reminding myself that what we do and what we say matters. Because if we're ever going to have the opportunity to invest in the lives of the people outside these four walls, it'll be because of the character and credibility that we have in the community around us. Because of the way we act and the way that we speak. And you know this because there are some people who have such incredible credibility in your lives. And if I asked you why, one of the reasons might be, you might say, I've never heard that person say an unkind thing about anybody. We're drawn to people like that, aren't we? I know I am. I know I am. So I'll ask you again. What's your favorite kind of ice cream? I ask that question because one of the first people that I really remember as I think back over the course of my life that made an incredible investment in me and made a difference in my life was a man by the name of Dr. West. And I don't expect anyone, anyone here to know him. Some of you might. I didn't know at the time how important he was. Um, I was probably five or six years old. Uh, Dr. West was an, an older man at this point in his life. He was retired, but he was still working. Uh, I lived in Montgomery, Alabama, and he had just moved there uh, to, to work as well. To give you just a quick idea of who this man was and what he did in his life, 
He taught at Pepperdine University and Harding University, and he started the graduate degrees for Bible at both universities. There wasn't one before he came there. When he came there, he started programs at both to help people like me, preachers and ministers, get advanced degrees in, in Bible and in, in, in Christian studies. He had this idea. He thought, you know, doctors and lawyers have advanced degrees, shouldn't, shouldn't preachers, uh, because he, he thought our work was so incredibly important. He went on to help start with, a, with another man, the Harding Graduate School of Religion uh, in, in Memphis, Tennessee. He helped begin that school. And then he moved to Montgomery, Alabama to be a professor at two different schools there in his retired years. He, he, he had over 25,000 books. In fact, that's the way I met the man is my dad and I uh, went to help him move books. And after the first time I met him, he took me over to, uh, I don't know, McDonald's or somewhere and bought me ice cream. And he said, all right, you and me, we're going to be ice cream buddies from this day on. And would you know that from then on to the day he died, every time I saw him, we always got ice cream. Whether I was at his house or we went out somewhere. If we didn't have any, we'd go find some. We'd go buy some. Every time we got together, or I saw him, or he saw me, we would go get ice cream. And I, I'll never forget. I, I, remember, I remember when he died. And I remember how my heart sank. Because this was a man who had invested in me. And, and I, when I think back about Dr. West, I think, I don't know, how, he didn't have time to. He was way too important. He had so much going on. He was a professor, a preacher, a speaker, an author. He, he, was, he had so much going on, so many. But you know what people say about him? I was talking to my dad this weekend. He said that exact same thing. He said, you know, I'll never forget. I'll never forget that Dr. West was one of those people that everybody, no matter what they thought, no matter what they disagreed on, everybody liked him. <laughs> He had the ability, one man said, to ride two different horses at the same time, and, 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 and everybody got along, you know. He, he was special that way. And he took time to invest in me. Who do you need to invest in? Truth is, there's somebody right now looking up to you. There's somebody right now that needs you to invest in them. There's somebody right now that needs you to buy them ice cream. And to make an investment in their life for their good and for the glory of God. And this is what, this is what we are called to do. And I, I love that we have a church where this is already true in so many ways. I love that we have a church where we have so many young adults who are investing in the lives of our students and who are, they even use the word, they're disciples. They are, they are intentionally loving them and leading them closer to Jesus. I love that we have a church where so many of you, you ladies are invested and involved in, in these grow groups where you're getting together, women of all ages, to grow together to, closer to each other and to grow closer to Jesus Christ. I love that so many of you in this church are a part of a home group where, where every week or every month you're taking time to invest in the lives of each other and to grow closer to Jesus Christ. I love that in so many ways. So many, so I hear so many stories of you getting lunch together or coffee together and meeting together and praying together and loving each other. This is true in so many ways. But how can we even, how can we even grow in this grace even more of what it means to invest in each other? Because there is someone who is calling us Calling us deeper into relationship with each other, to loving each other. Here's the question. Here's what it all comes down to for me. It's this. How can I love you the way Christ loves you today? 
What if that's the first question you asked every time you saw someone? How can I love you the way Christ loves you today? I'm telling you, it's a game changer. What does the love of Christ compel you to do? What does the love of Christ require you to do? And how can I love you? How can you love me? How can we love each other the way Christ has loved us? I have a next step for you this week. I have something really simple I want to ask you to do. I want you to think about this. Who can you invest in? Who can you take to coffee or to get ice cream, if that's your deal? Who can you, who can you, who can you bring up alongside you this week and encourage? Who can you speak the love of Christ into? Who can you take some of your time and decide, because of Jesus, you want to invest in them? And you want to do what Christ is calling you to do because of what Christ has done for you. Church, if you would, let's, let's stand. For us to invest in each other, we have to set aside our differences, and that's different, right? We have to be willing to look at each other and to love each other the way Christ has loved us. And we can do this because what's our favorite verse? For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He made the first investment. He made a deposit from heaven to earth. He gave himself to us and he's asked us to give ourselves away to each other, to love each other. In fact, one time Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love God and love who? Love others. This is what we are called to do. And this is who we're called to be as the body of Christ. In church today, what I want to encourage you to do is just do what Jesus said. Let's love each other well. In the areas of our lives, in the areas of our speech, in the areas of our actions where we haven't done that, can I ask you to repent? Can I ask you to to turn from that, to check your speech, to check your actions, to think twice, and call you to, to holy repentance before Jesus? And can we commit from this day forward to loving each other the way Christ has loved us, to speaking of each other the way Christ has spoken of us, to speak of his church the way Christ speaks of his bride? Can I call us to, to being willing to give of ourselves the way God has given to us, to invest in each other in this way. It's a holy investment. Today, if you would like to pray with any of our shepherds, they're going to be around the room praying. If you want to step into these waters and step out a new creation so that you can, you can receive the investment of God and so that then you can begin to invest in each other the way Christ has called us to, we would love for that to happen. Come find me or one of our shepherds and we'd love to pray with you about that. But today, may we be about loving one another, the way Christ has loved us. Let's sing.